Uh, it's very good. I, I did not want you to have to read all of Numbers 21 because I'm going to do that. Good morning, saints. Uh, I greet you in the name of the Lord and greetings to those uh, joining us on live stream. This morning we are in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now King David once said, Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. When we're studying God's word, we're drawing closer to him. We're spending a day in his courts. And we would rather be there than any place where the world beckons. Now, no matter how much the world may consider us to be oddballs, and then they do, it is necessary and good for us to esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. So we ask for grace, for diligence, and singleness of purpose to continue to look into his word this morning, that we might better know God in Christ and increase in our love for him. I'll be reading from Numbers chapter 21 for the, for the message. This chapter contains a remarkable account of God working in his people to give them repeated victories over their enemies at a time when they were poised to enter the promised land after their 40 years of wandering. Brethren, they were very close to crossing over into the land of promise. Some have said in the last year, <clears throat> most of what is in uh, chapter 21 was in the very last year. Now, more, more testing was ahead for, for the Israelites, but it seems as, as, as if God is now giving his people uh, an increasing measure of encouragement as they face their critical act of obedience, as they must soon cross the Jordan. Recall that in chapter 20, the chapter before, the people had much over which to be discouraged after the whole, long, uh, whole congregation journeyed to Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, Moses' sister Miriam died and was buried there. At Meribah, Moses displeased the Lord by striking the rock to bring forth water, and God promised Moses and Aaron they would not be the ones to bring the people into Canaan. Following this, God denied the Israelites' passage through Edom, and failing to confront the Edomites who had gathered against them, the people were forced to make a lengthy detour around the Edomite territory, provoking them to murmur, for which God judged them. Shortly after they had turned away from Edom, Aaron was taken by God, and Aaron's son Eliezer became high priest, and the whole house of Israel mourned Aaron's passing for 30 days. So all of those things happened shortly before what we, what we read in chapter 21. And it's, uh, chapter 21 is a great contrast, as we shall see. We can see the Israelites had suffered much then in a very short period. Uh, perhaps Moses himself lost the most, suffering the death of his brother and his sister. And God took from him any anticipation that Moses had of entering the promised land which was so close that God could show the grand expanse of it to Moses from the top of Mount Nebo in Moab. 
Now, from the perspective of the Israelites, they had been wandering aimlessly in the desert places, yet God was teaching them, making them a people ready to enter and possess the land of promise. This would require their faith, their patience, and endurance. It required overcoming hardship and placing their trust in God. It required they acknowledge God is over all things, and it required they be obedient to his word. Where obedience was missing, God was displeased. So in chapter 21, God again called the Israelites to obedience and to destroy the enemies that they might encounter as they marched through the land. And for a time at least, it appears God gave strength to the people that they might not succumb to the temptations of the idol worshippers in the land through which they passed. In the whole of chapter 21, though they journeyed many places, there's not a single instance where God needed to admonish them or judge them over their straying from the faith, uh, except for the situation with the serpent that we will talk about shortly. So now here is verse chap- uh, chapter 21. It's not my purpose to expound on this, but to present it as an astonishing demonstration of God's love for his people at this time with the purpose of stealing them for a soon approaching entrance into Canaan, after which much fighting was necessary. So if if you're following in the scriptures, I'm going to read verses 1 through 13, 16 through 26, and 31 through 35, starting at verse 1. And when King Arad the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities, and he called the name of the place Hormah. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore hath ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread. Neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and he put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in Oboth. And they journeyed from Oboth and pitched in Ejabarim, in the wilderness which is before Moab, toward the sun rising. From thence they removed, and they pitched in the valley of Zared. From thence they removed and pitched on the other side of Arnon, which is in the wilderness that cometh out of the coasts of the Amorites. For Arnon is the border of Moab 
between Moab and the Amorites. And from thence they went to Beer, that is the well, whereof the Lord spake unto Moses, Gather the people together, and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, Spring up, O well, sing ye unto it. The princes digged the well, and the nobles of the people digged it, by the direction of the lawgiver, with their staves. And from the wilderness they went to Matana, and from Matana to Nahaliel, and from Nahaliel to Bamoth, and from Bamoth in the valley, that is in the country of Moab, to the top of Pisgah, which looketh toward Jeshimon. And Israel sent messages unto Zihon, king of the Amorites, saying, Let me pass through thy land. We will not turn into the fields or into the vineyards. We will not drink of the waters of the well, but we will go along the king's highway until we be past thy borders. And Sihon would not suffer Israel to pass through his border. But Sihon gathered all his people together and went out against Israel into the wilderness. And he came to Jahaz and fought against Israel. And Israel smote him with the edge of the sword and possessed his land from Ornan unto Jabbok, even unto the children of Ammon, for the border of the children of Ammon was strong. And Israel took all these cities, and Israel dwelt in all the cities of the Amorites, in Heshbon and in all the villages thereof. For Heshbon was the city of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab, and taken all his land out of his hand, even unto Arnon. Thus Israel dwelt in the land of the Amorites. And Moses sent to spy out Jazer, and they took the villages thereof, and drove out the Amorites that were there. And they turned and went up by the way of Bashan, and Og, the king of Bashan, went out against them, he and all his people, to the battle at Edrai. And the Lord said unto Moses, Fear him not, I, for I have delivered him into thy hand and all his people and his land. And thou shalt do to him as thou didst unto Sihon, king of the Amorites, which dwelt at Heshbon. So they smote him and his sons and all his people until there was none left him alive. And they possessed his land. Now, brethren, there we do come across chapters and verses in the scriptures that just leave us out of breath after we've read them. And this is the Lord speaking to our hearts. This is remarkable. And uh, I always feel out of breath after, after reading that. It's an account of glorious victories for the people of God, a record of their continual marching toward the fulfillment of a divine promise. Included in this is God's fulfillment of his promise to Abraham concerning the Amorites those many years ago. This is what he said. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Brethren, now it was. It can be imagined the much discouragement of the people who were forced to travel around the edge of Edom. It was soon forgotten in their victories won over Canaanite and Amorite kings Arad, Sihon, and Og. A lesson had been learned at Edom after the occasion of God's displeasure at the people's murmuring and the fiery serpents, Moses did not hesitate to, comfort, to confront these other kings in order to pass through their land. Brethren, possessing the land involves putting down any opposition. By God's power, the Israelites 
encountered and overcame those who oppressed them in the many towns and cities in which they dwelled. At this time, God, according with his love and great mercy, showered his blessings on his chosen people, even as he showers his blessings on the saints today. There is the event in the wilderness of the brass serpent lifted up on a pole, which saved those who looked upon it. Many hundreds of years later, as we know, Jesus made mention of this as a type of his own glorious crucifixion that saves all who believe on him. Perhaps our ultimate blessing. So in this way, God prepared the Israelites for entering Canaan and to possess the land, raising a force of fighting men to replace those men of war who had perished in the wilderness. The real fighting would begin only after God saw to it that the people and his ark had successfully crossed over the Jordan River and into the land of promise. Thus God gave to the Israelites all they needed for their journey and all they needed in order for them to obey his command to occupy the land. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. We may see that these times of victories God gave his people as they journeyed to the land of promise are figures of our own victories that came by Jesus' work on the cross. God promised to give the Israelites strength to overcome their enemies, and through Jesus Christ, we have the assurance of God's strength to overcome our enemies. Though God's people in enemy territory must fight against flesh and blood, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul wrote, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And God has given us all we need to be victorious in our fight of faith. He has given us the whole armor of God, which comprises truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And to these, we may add that God has provided another arrow, uh, arrow in our quiver, and that is all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Brethren, our only real enemy is Satan, the prince of this world, who sends us worldly temptations to try to make us sin for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Jesus at the cross destroyed the works of the devil, and the atoning blood of Jesus' sacrifice has restored us to fellowship with God. And we say, thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just as the Israelites were strangers in the land of Canaan, the saints are strangers and pilgrims in this earth. It is not our true home. 
We are sojourners and wayfarers in a world that is against God's people. Like those who died in faith and not having received the promises, we desire a better country, that is, and heavenly. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. The saints have battles to fight every day along their journey to their true home in heaven. So when we are in a trial or compassed about by enemies, may we remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ when he was in the garden and about to be taken to be crucified. When he prayed in the world, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. For those in Christ, the only enemy that really matters has already been defeated. All he can do is hurl temptations our way. Let us remember and give thanks for all our victories through Jesus Christ, for they are from God, and he is glorified in these. Let us therefore keep our focus on our Savior, who, surrounded with all glory, is at this moment set down at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for us with God, who, according as his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. If strength is needed, ask in faith, and God will provide it, and we have assurance of victory, as greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And let us humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And we confess our desire to be as Job, who told the Lord, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. When Jethro, Moses' father-in-law and a Gentile, heard of what the Lord God of Israel had done in bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, Jethro said, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Mm -hmm. Brethren, we have a great God. He is the same God who brought the Israelites out of Egypt, who brought them to the promised land. We outside of Christ were in time past not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Listen to God's words to the prophet. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. God has not changed. The words given to Isaiah were given that they may be an encouragement also to those today who believe on Jesus Christ, those who are the people of God. The promises God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he will fulfill. The God of Isaiah's day is the same almighty God who sent his only begotten son so that he might, by his sacrifice, lead out of captivity all who believe of every kindred, and tongue, and people, and nation. And they desire to follow him as his bride to the place where we'll join with a great cloud of witnesses, praising and bringing glory to God in a life everlasting. We might say the victories God gave his people in in the desert places many centuries ago are demonstrations of a glimmer 
of his infinite grace that came through Jesus Christ. God purposed them for his glory. His ultimate act of grace usward was to send into the world his son, Jesus Christ, and all those born of the Spirit may now receive what God has desired to give his people from the foundation of the world, a life in perfect fellowship with him in eternity that he would be glorified in his children forever. Brothers and sisters, thank you for your kind listening. God's grace and peace be with you. And now Brother David will give us um, an exhortation.